Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 72. If you'd like to check out my past shows and notes, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365, and there I will have the notes and links to the YouTube's past shows and sponsor links. So if you're new to the show, here's what the show is about. It's mostly about me and my Outlook jobs and Office 365 work I've done. And sometimes it's just me and sometimes I have a guest. And until New Year, we're just going to have me telling stories. And this week I actually have a topic for you all, which I think will be good. Uh, This week's topic is top things to worry about in a small business exchange migration. (laughs) Now I know the the guys who do MSP migrations totally have a different way of doing it. Um, but the small business ones like under 20 mailboxes sometimes aren't done on an MSP level. So we're going to cover all the little things today that I have found that I've learned from, and I'll share with you all of that good stuff today. But anyway, it's been a few weeks since I've had a show out and I got to say that I've been quite busy with, um, lots of things. Um, we had the black Friday special, that I help manage and that's, you know, just some work with the vendors. And then also during this time that I haven't had a show, I actually got all of my Outlook training for technician videos done. And wow, that's a lot of work making videos. I've, I've made videos, right? But this one was very different. I have to say that, uh, you know, when you're doing training videos for technicians, you don't have to talk on an end user level. So that's awesome. But I was going to offer these as a webinar and I'm so glad I didn't because there were so many little glitches that kept coming up that I was learning. Oh, I got to go do that. I got to do that. And it was just a neat experience. I got to say, but very frustrating nonetheless. So anyway, um, my videos this weekend, I'm going to be doing the final, I know I called it the final editing slash marketing. So my next show, I should have those up and ready for you folks. And what happened out of Black Friday, which was kind of cool, is I created what's called a starter set or a starter kit. So um, for those of you that have bought my books, you know, those are different than the training videos. But the starter set has um, about five different products in the kit. So you can kind of get some experience with Outlook. Uh, It includes my Outlook training videos for just end users. So if you're new to Outlook, you can totally like watch those and you know, get familiar with it before we jump into the tech ones. And then I have some online resource guides, my forms and surveys I use, the uh, migration ebook. And, um, and then I also have some Office 365 getting to know the products from, you know, a technician's point of view that you can watch. And those are all, I believe, $69, which for when I get them out for you guys, I'll have a deal for my listeners. So anyway, that the videos I tell you was a work. Uh, a lot of work got them done though, and it's really fulfilling when you complete a project. I'm sure most of you listening have had that job that just never finished, and when it does, it's a glory moment. That's how I felt on Sunday last weekend. Well, anyway, then I also have uh, been working on a lot of Facebook stuff, and actually, um, we had uh, the Facebook group so that I manage now. I I've took over and helped manage. It's called the IT Business Owners Group. I've talked about it before in the show. So if you're a working technician, this might be a good group for you to join, uh, just to, uh, 
you know, get to know other technicians and com- commiserate and, and mostly get awesome tech support. We're very technical there. Um, and we help each other through fixes. It's pretty cool. I also run the sister group, which is the Office 365 Facebook group. So I will put both of the links in the show. The IT business owners group, though, is a secret group. So if you want to get in there, you have to friend me first, and I will put those in the notes also. But you know what? I think the worst part of the last few weeks that drives me nuts is that it was slow. And you know what? We talked about it in the forums and groups that November just sucked. And everybody was kind of whining. But, you know, when a group of people whine that it's slow, then you know it's really slow. And very few people said they had a slamming busy November. So I got to say that December has freaking ruled so far for me because I was just like each day hitting the numbers, hitting the numbers. And I'm like, I don't know what happened in November. Maybe it was the elections. I got everybody's panties in a bunch or who knows. But uh, it was definitely a nice start of December. It kicked off nicely. And I'm really excited to close the year off, I think, with um You know, I didn't have a huge growth this year, but I look forward to 2017 and uh, trying to, you know, do some more of the migration work that I really like doing with the small business and um, change up a little bit of my break fix and maybe add in some new services. We'll see. But on the past few weeks, though, since the show I did put out, I wanted to share with you all what happened. That was a neat little story. So if any of you are thinking about doing a podcast or writing books and stuff like that, you just never know who your listeners are going to be. And, you know, I don't have the most, I don't know, popular download show out there, but I've never competed for who's got the most downloads. I've kind of worked on the theory of, look, I help technicians and techs like my show because they like hearing the stories and all the bullshit that goes with it. But uh, I actually had a listener who works for a very, very large organization who asked me to um, come speak at their big event in Chicago next uh, March. And I got to have a speaking slot for Outlook and one for Office 365. And, um, I, well, actually, I'm just going to tell you who it was because I'm allowed to. <laughs> the American Bar Association invited me to come speak at their tech show. So that would, to me was like, first time I read the emails, like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, this is spam, right? And then I, I let it sit for a day, which is not like me. And then I opened it the next day and I was like, holy crap, I think this is for real. Like it is for real. And, um, so anyway, uh, I accepted the invitation. There's a lot of work you have to do to do a speaking engagement. You have to write uh, a big paper of course you have to do a PowerPoint and now I have a co-speaker. So you actually interestingly get to work with another person on the same topic which i was like whoa i'm used to working alone here but my two uh co-speakers are awesome so i you know i'm sure we'll do fine but i think the opportunity what i'm talking about here is that one of the directors is a fan of the podcast now i was like that's so awesome i didn't even know i mean you don't know who your listeners are when you have you know downloads every show and stuff so I'm just telling you folks out there that are interested in doing something like that, it's worth doing, even if it takes a while. You never know who your audience is going to be. And uh, I've actually been asked to write another another article for the, the Bar Association now because of that. So I'm really excited because I love tech blogging. That's cool. All right. Now, we yesterday in one of my Facebook groups, we got talking about in this 
chat session about this uh, new tool called it's called the O365 Admin Dot Center. So if you're on your computer and you go type that in, HTTP colon two forward slashes O365 Admin Dot Center. It's a new tool. I don't know if it's new or not actually, but it's a new tool to me. Um, you can download and administrate all of your um, Office 365 accounts that if you, um, how should I word it? That if you sell through Direct Microsoft, you can control them all in one panel. Now, there might be other products, but I'm not aware of them because I work through AppRiver, who's my partner, and I don't necessarily, they don't make the tools for me because I'm under their partner plan. So they probably have the tools, you know, the big ones. I don't get those. But anyway, the point of this story is that I bought it and uh, I didn't ask for a refund because I can't use it. But they said, if I want to give one away, I'm more than welcome to give mine away. So the first person who emails me with the subject line giveaway at least at callthatgirl.biz can have my copy. And if anybody else wants a 50% off, which I think the tool is only 25 bucks for the standard. So, hey, you know, for 12.50, if you want to download it and test it, uh, this code, oh, I don't have the code handy, but I'll find it here. But the code is, um, hold on. It's thanks Lisa 50. Thanks Lisa 50 will get you the discount for the tool and you can download it and try it. You know, see if it uh, works for you. And honest to goodness, I was like, I wish I could use it because I have 150 domains now that I manage. And, you know, it'd be nice just to click on one and do that. But um, I think uh, River told me that they're building a similar kind of uh, admin control panel for me, which I'm just fine with. So it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Okay, so now we've got a few jobs we're going to talk about, and then we're going to get to the topic. And honestly, I didn't write down the worst jobs in the past month because... I think I'm just looking forward to the end of year. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to tell you guys here's a few of the hot trending topics that are really big right now. Uh, number one is this email drama with Gmail is getting out of hand, okay? I am writing right now two monster blogs to discuss the issues of this, uh, of, of how to set up Gmail and Outlook. For one thing, it's a horrifying experience if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I actually have struggles myself. But, you know, the what's happening is Gmail has now turned on not only the two-step authentication that they did a long time ago, which I'm used to that. They have the less apps that are secured on or off, which I'm used to that now. But this third now problem is if you want to set up apps password. So think of it this way. You have a Gmail account with basic password. Then you have the two-step authentication, which is fine. Then to use it in Outlook, you have to turn off the secured apps. Or I think that's what it, how it is. And then, again, because you have two-step on, you have to create an app's password. So when you're trying to set up your Outlook, let's say a fresh new connection, or sorry, a fresh, um, a fresh new account in Outlook, you actually have to put the app's password in the password line when you're setting up a new profile, okay? And uh, what most of my clients, of course, are having problems with is that their Gmail is like, needs to be re uh, refreshed in their Outlook, and that's when we have the problem, okay? So there's two or three problems that can come from it, but uh, the last client I helped, unfortunately, because the client had um, security under his own account, it wouldn't let us do anything, and I spent 40 minutes with her going, 
Oh my God, I'm pulling my hair out. We're doing these steps. You know, there's a certain set of steps you have to do and it's not letting me do it. So I told her she needs to contact the domain, not the domain admin. I think her, her, her client was the admin and he has to turn on something that will let it through. But let me just tell you, man, this uh, Gmail stuff, they're not joking around. And um, I was reading today about that Podesta hack, how they say it happened, which was, you know, a phishing email got sent in and the IT guy said, uh, this is a legitimate email, but go pa change your password and go do the two-step, which is what we all tell our clients. But I don't know if if that was exactly what it was said. I saw it on a, a news, you know news website but but either way you know this is becoming um a problem all the security we have with email and and um every single program now has two-step authentication which i i'm not against i'm very used to it but i kind of feel that that's you know my second layer i have i get notifications from gmail when i change my password or i get notifications if like my social media assistant logs in from her house it, it tells you that but I'm like, oh man, sometimes just troubleshooting this Outlook is a brutal task because honestly, the first time I got that Gmail problem with that app's password, I didn't know what the fuck was going on because I didn't get alerted of it. Google didn't send me a personal email saying, hey, Outlook expert, this is how you fix that moving ahead. I actually had to troubleshoot it and do my research to figure it out. And then I was like, oh my God, they're adding a third layer. My God, I don't know if I can keep up with this. And then I try not to, you know, make my clients pay for the research. So I'm like, good Lord, this is just getting a lot. And then, then there's, um, what was the other one that's doing it too? Well, Outlook.com is having its own drama with the updates with their server switch from, uh, their old hotmail.com to the new Outlook. Let me see, I'm confused. Their old hotmail.com servers to the new outlook.com which is on the microsoft exchange servers so basically people with outlook.com get a free exchange server without the the best features of exchange it's kind of like the free version and um and those folks are having issues too not just in pro in general but those can have an app password as well now so if you do a lot of email uh it might be to your best interest to check in on the main um programs and look at their apps or look at their new security. I just try to, you know, troubleshoot it as it happens, and I get lucky and learn. But there was another one too. I think it'll probably come to me later. But um, I did. Uh, I've been learning a few things about iCloud now. Um, my iCloud jobs are less and less li lately, and I'm thankful for that. But um, here's what I did that the last Outlook, or excuse me, iCloud job and Outlook I, I did. It was about a one-hour call, and I got lucky because I skipped a bunch of old steps I used to do that don't work now, or they're just not valuable to try. I guess that's what it is. So here's what happens with iCloud and Outlook is people's refresh button goes away, or their calendar isn't updating, or their contacts aren't updating with their phone. That's all they know. They don't even know there's an iCloud server, actually. So what I've been doing is you go into the add-ins and uh, look for the iCloud, check or uncheck it. So if it's already checked, try unchecking it and close Outlook so it detaches. Then open Outlook, check it again, and reopen it and see if the um, iCloud comes back at the top. It might not. 
And don't expect it to do that, okay? Uh, the second thing is you close Outlook and go to your iCloud settings in the system tray. And I don't think I have it on this computer. Hold on, I do. Okay, so then what you have to do is go to their settings. So you go see that they're signed in, okay? Now, there's a little mail context calendar little button. Uh, I could tell you that you can try unchecking that, hit apply, keep Outlook closed, check the button again, hit apply, and it should refresh, right? And, you, and if it's refreshing correctly, you should see all their contacts and calendar items start to populate. If it does not do that, then it's not going to work. If it goes by too quickly, you will know, and then it's shot, okay? You could also try logging out and logging back in. That sometimes kicks it in. That's an easy fix. But mostly what you want to do, if those fail, you have to uninstall iCloud from the computer, reboot, and go get a fresh download from iCloud, and it'll probably work. And I've got that down to about an hour's worth of work. Now, it's not that I don't like billing people for two hours. I love billing people for two hours of work. But I'm also, I don't like being frustrated for two hours either. And that's where I start to get choked up and challenged because I'm like, you know, I love a good two-hour tech job, but not, not when I'm frustrated over stuff like iCloud, and it's just horrible to feel that way. So those are my tips for that. Um, then I had a job this last two weeks. This job actually took a long time, not because of, I couldn't get it done, because I just kept getting some major, major problems. This client uh, had a PC at his office with Pop, and he uh, decided to get a Mac at his house, so he had uh, exported out the PST himself, and he tried to move it to the Mac, but it was broken. The export was only like maybe a fourth of the file, maybe even less. And he was like, I don't know, I'm trying to import it in the Mac, and it's just not looking good. And I was like, okay, well, this should be easy. So I assumed he was on exchange, which you should never assume anything, because he said he was at work, you know. And I was like, well, if he's at work, you know, it's exchange. I remote in. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're still on pop. So I was like, how am I going to move that mail? My initial thoughts were to um, copy the data from the PST to his exchange server. Then it would sync up at the house, right? Or the Mac computer anyway. So then I was like, okay, I got to figure something else out. So the short story of this one is I tried to copy the data out to a new PST file. It would not do it. I tried to export it out. It would not do it. He put a flash drive in. I tried to export it. It would not do it. At this point, I'm like, the data file is corrupted. I ran the scan PST, made a copy. It said it fixed it, which, you know, that's the free version. And then I was like, okay, so it's still not working. And the client, I don't think, really wanted to pay for my troubleshooting plus the time to do the data recovery to fix it. And I was like, let's try a couple other things just in case, okay? So then I thought, well, how about this? How about if I install one of my test exchange mailboxes on his computer and see if I can do a manual copy of the folder to my exchange? And that worked. Okay, so to me, I keep a test account for this purpose, and I use it quite often, actually. And um, so I was like, sweet. Now I can take it all over to my computer I can export the PST and I could Dropbox it to them and import it into the Mac. 
Nope. File still would not export. I tried six different ways, and finally I was like, okay, now what do I do? And then I had to really think about it, and I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to connect my test account to his Mac, and then I'm going to try copying the folders on the Mac to his local My Computer PST, right? Okay, so I set it all up. All the email was there. Now, on a Macintosh, when you're moving email, I'm going to tell you the trick here, and that's really the point of this whole story, is not a lot of people know this trick, is if you want to copy a folder on a Mac to another one, you can right-click and say copy, but then you get this funky box that pops up, right? And it's not like normal in a Windows computer in Outlook where it shows you the whole folder structure. You just kind of have to guess. And that, for a long time, I was like, oh, Jesus, how do I do that? So I don't even know how. And I feel silly, but I really never, I don't need it all that often. So, I, and I fixed, I figured out this fix a while ago. So in the search box, when you right click and go copy to a new folder, you can type in the folder name that you're going to take it to. So this client had an inbox for his company. So if you type in inbox, it's going to show you all the inboxes that you have set up there. So that's really sweet. He happened to have inbox slash my computer, which was a local folder. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'm going to do that. So I copied it and all 36,000 emails went from the sent items. And then I did the deleted and those all went there too. And I was like, oh my God, it worked. So I should have thought of that in the first place. But sometimes when you troubleshoot, you do have to just kind of figure out things. And sometimes you have to have things fail for you to come up with a better solution which actually, that was the better solution. So overall, I ended up billing that guy just an hour for the time. I mean, you know, it sucks to to say how much time I really spent with him because it seemed like forever. But a lot of it was just me right-clicking, copying, and things failing. And I don't know, I thought it was pretty fair, fair bill for that. It shouldn't have even been that in the first place, but uh, oh, whatever. All right, now we are going to start the topic here of... The top 10 or more things to worry about in a small business exchange migration, which I've learned and you've been listening to me for long enough to know that, yes, uh, there are many things to worry about that can happen. And sometimes you can't worry about it until it happens. Like my migration I had today, I had a little sneaky trick happen. Um, I had a technician who was like, hey, uh, this company I'm working for needs a migration. Uh, I don't really want to do it because they've never done it and they don't plan on doing it again. So it's easier to outsource it to me. And I was like, hey, I can coach you too if you want. He was like, no, let's just do it. You do it because he didn't want to be a part of it. I was like, cool, you know. Well, the thing is, is that he already had some of the Office 365 stuff done. So I kind of assumed that the DNS records had already been verified with Microsoft well, I assumed wrong. <laughs> so, and today we got going with the migration because actually he had said he'd done some, he'd done some of it. So I kind of have an excuse, but not really. So anyway, I got all the stuff backed up. Um, I had all the migration was mail moved and I was excited just to, you know, start rolling. And I went to go update the MX records and the auto discover. And yep, it hadn't been verified yet. And it turns out that they were using a website marketing company to manage all their you know stuff so that happens a lot and those people no way are going to let you into their control panels to update records so this is common what i do is i usually make a appointment with that company and say look tomorrow at two o'clock i need to update the records so can you be available 
But that got missed, so today was a half migration. And the client who was a techie was like, yeah, no sweat. We'll just do it tomorrow. I was like, yeah, I mean, I've got room to, tomorrow to finish it. But but still, that's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me in immigration. But you got to be prepared for the worst. So just kind of keep that in mind. Um, it doesn't matter if you have the client fill out all your forms and surveys. There could still be something missing that people just sometimes just make up on the form just to get the form done. Okay? That happens to me with what version of Outlook are you using? And the second one is, is we don't charge for, or sorry, we charge for software installation and I make them check off on it. And sometimes I remote in and I'm like, oh, you didn't update your software yet? And they're like, no, that's part of the migration. And I go, no, it isn't. So, I mean, I don't mean to be mean about it, but it's not, it's an extra fee. So sometimes you have to be really clear about those kind of things because um, people overlook it. And there's a lot of information we need during a migration. Um, let's see here. And a lot of people are uh, confused with the office 365. That's uh, another thing to worry about. So when you're asking your questions, like what do you have right now for software? Everything in the world right now is called outlook, like everything it seems like, and it can get very confusing and the packages are confusing with the office 365. So just make sure you take the time to ask the right questions. And if you are not purchasing this for them, just make sure you can log into the Office 365 control panel so you can see what they're getting billed for. Um, sometimes they only bought the exchange, the essentials. And if they need new software, then you have to be prepared to tell them, well, you have to upgrade and pay more money. And the last thing clients want to know is that they have to go spend more money when they thought they bought it all. And that's uh, not shocking, but... That's those are bumps in the road you're gonna figure out sometimes. Now, since I work with that river on mine, I already control a lot of that, but a lot of times, you know, people are buying it straight from Microsoft and I don't know what they're doing. Never underestimate how many folders or data size a client will have. Okay. <laughs> and you could tell by if you use a migration whiz when you know it starts to connect, you can see how much they have at the very end, or if you go look at their current outlook, you can see. But uh, when you start opening folders on people's Outlook, it is a lot sometimes under those little hidden arrows. So open up Outlook, expand all the folders you can, and do not be surprised if you see hundreds of folders. Uh, I've mentioned this on the show before. I've seen 1,324,000. And at this point, I cannot be shocked. I'm always a little like, wow, they have a lot of folders, but I'm never really too surprised. Um... Normally with migrations, if you import export correctly, you don't even have to deal with the folders. You just are dealing with the data, but sometimes you do, especially if you don't lift the filters applied with IMAP. And that's always a fun job. Uh, also, you want to make sure that you have all the passwords because I can guarantee you that a password will always be wrong because you need it for a migration whiz to set up and one is always wrong, it seems. You also need the accurate records to do migration whiz, and that sometimes can be challenging. You know, I found that I like migration whiz a lot. What I don't like is that sometimes there's, like, if there's something wrong, I don't know how to fix it, but their chat support is pretty awesome. So they are pretty good at helping you uh, figure that out. And again, outdated software, that's a guarantee. Um, even on my form, I ask people down to the even like, do you use Windows Live Mail, Outlook Express? I mean, I try to go back as far as I can. And sometimes they still don't know. They just put in what they want. So 
if you are remoting in for the first time to start the backup and you see uh, Thunderbird, <laughs> maybe, yeah, don't be surprised that you might have to do a little finagling if you're doing a manual one to export those out to get them into Outlook. Um, the other thing is, let me see here, the one thing you don't want, they will demand. Wow, why did I put that in there? I'm looking at my notes. Oh, basically, um, clients sometimes at the end of jobs, if you don't do certain things that aren't in the contract, they'll demand it and say this is supposed to be part of the migration. Just learn to be very clear and very firm. I've had some people make up stuff. And it's been a long time because I've managed the expectations a lot better and done more forms and surveys. But you'd be surprised what people will come out after and say. And, and one thing I've learned is that they want um, extras such as, oh, I thought you were going to help us configure all of our shared contacts and other things, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, I will, but I need to bill extra for that because that's not part of the migration. Well, some folks, though, I might include it in the migration. It just depends. But like that is an assumption sometimes that clients will have after. Or they might say even something like, who knows, something weirder that they're assuming. And I've actually said to people, well, I didn't even know you had that problem. You never told me. So that would be an extra bill, and people don't like hearing that, but as professionals, we have to be very clear because if you don't bill for your extra time, then they're going to start the, you know, what else can I get done under this account? And, and that's why I also make sure I close projects properly at the end. Like, we are done. Anything else is now a new ticket, and that is true. And I have um, been pretty successful with selling a prepay after each after each, or excuse me, during each migration now. Even a four-hour, two-hour, whatever, just get something because then those little questions are paid for and they're not just freebie non-billables. Okay, so then if you are doing small business, you are definitely going to want to learn your aftercare. Uh, the little tiny pesky problems that people call in with after you're done. My address book, the missing emails from their list, signatures, uh, just all those little fine-tuning things. Uh, I've talked about aftercare before, so if you need to, uh, I could try to dig up an old show. But the point is, the more you do during a migration and get things done, when you're not working with the clients and you just got their computers, the better off you are. Because I always do an aftercare appointment with each person anyway, and the better you do, the shorter that call is, and that makes me happier. Okay, It's not that I won't do it for free. I just like getting everything done without the client. So when they come in, they're like, oh my God, everything's perfect. And that's the end goal for me when I have a satisfactory seamless migration is that the client didn't even know what happened and they got the awesome benefits of exchange. And then you can go ahead and train them and do the other fun things they want. And um, I'll tell you, if you've done a migration and you got, you know, like 10 calls afterwards about things not missing and stuff, or sorry, things are missing and that used to work and now it doesn't, then revise your aftercare or excuse me, revise your migration plan to include those things so you can just do them for the clients moving ahead. All right. Now, a few shows ago, I talked about that on-site prem server issue where it had the local uh, DNS on, um, on the server and I was like battling it for quite a while. So just keep in mind, I do have that on my surveys now to ask people if they have a a local DNS a server there because that does need to get updated. And if the tech is not around, is the auto discover is not going to work. The Outlook will work um, 
when you set it up with 2013, but not with 2016, because it has to have auto discover configured. So remember, I was telling you in my show about that is luckily all the people had 2010 or 13. And I was like, thank God, because 16 would have been a bitch. <laughs> you can't do a, a manual setup there. So um, anyway, just keep in mind. And that's why I have the surveys, folks, is to ask those important questions. And that usually helps a lot. Um, and then let's see. Um, the other ones are be prepared for people to not read your emails about the migration. Oh no, they don't. You can write one sentence and people won't read it. I used to have, uh, some instructions and then I got really no response on that. And then I started writing shorter, no response on that. I got it down to one paragraph and people just don't read it. I mean, some people do. Yeah. But I mean, if you're sending it out to 10 people, expect two to read it. And then you basically have to tell them when you start the migration, what you're going to be doing, because, um, you have to say, write this down <laughs> to get out a note, write this down. Cause this is what you need to do. And usually it's leave your outlook open and we'll synchronize all night and watch for when it's done uploading to the server. Don't call me until that's done because it's not going to be perfect. And I think when I explain to people the process, I talk slow they get it and I have less calls. Um, as part of that whole thing with people not reading emails, the other expectations I hate is, is when I'm done with the migration and syncing and I tell people that don't do anything yet. Don't try to mess with anything. Wait till it's done and let it finish kind of figuring itself out because I will get the people who will call me or text and you know, I hate my texting. But they will call or text and be like, well, it da 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 I go, I know, just give it time. Or my favorite is, well, I don't see it here. I'm like, I know, give it time. It'll work. It just isn't done yet. And um, also just remember that uh, people do go missing on migration days or there might be an internet outage or worse yet, they have a really slow internet connection. And you can ask people that in your surveys, but generally they don't know. So be prepared for the worst. Now, if you're doing, um, the manual, remember you have to upload it to the server and with migration was it's coming down. So that's the feature I like about migration was the best is that I'm not waiting for it to upload to get on the server, but it's coming down. And, uh, like I was saying earlier, I'm getting real used to that program now. So it's, it's nice. I do like it, but, uh, the people missing thing is funny because they don't read the emails. When, you know, I'll say, look, we have the migration scheduled for Friday at three o'clock Eastern time. And I'll call them and they're like, oh yeah, I'm at Starbucks. <laughs> or actually the worst is I'm jumping on a plane. I'm like, okay, I guess, um, you know, and this is sometimes just one person migrations. Like now what? Well, the thing is I already have their money. So I'm like, well, I just got to figure out when they're going to do it again. But it kind of ruined my billable day because then I can't bill people for those hours and I can't double charge them for migration because they're jumping on a plane and forgot. But that's just some more of things that can happen. I'm sure I could come up with a lot more than this too. Uh, I think those are the big ones though. And, uh, just stuff to watch out for just a few little things. Then I, I think I'm going to close the show up here, folks. I'm going to do another one here in the next few days though about uh, the best syncing tools with Outlook because somebody asked that question and I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever done a show just based on the syncing and that's going to be pretty in depth. So 
I'm going to keep this, uh, this show short, but if you have any questions or want to email me, uh, Lisa at callthatgirl.biz. And I think uh, 2010, excuse me, 2017, we're going to have a little bit different format for the show. So I thank you for listening and being a uh, downloader of my show. If you have a story you want to share or be a guest, make sure you email me also. And this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production. Audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsor, App River and Podbean, for hosting. See you in a few days, guys. Bye-bye.